You're listening to Travel Tales with Virgil. So no, I'll be no, looking no. at I'll be looking at my world map going bing bing bing. Yeah, no, no, no. But at the end of the day, it's twenty years a long time, right? It's a lot of travel, a yeah. lot of experiences. True. But you know, but I, I mean, tell the experience going into Sinai Mountains and the guy tapping the window with a revolver. I mean, Jesus I Christ, that that I, that that was that was scary. That gave me the shit attacks. That was the voice of Brendan Dwyer, our guest this week. Brendan is an Irish expat living in Spain and working as general manager for the award-winning five-star hotel La Finca Resort in Alicante. Brendan has worked for over 20 years all over the world in some of the most iconic hotels and brands like the Hyatt Group. He has worked in places like Spain, New York, London, Egypt, South Africa and Turkey to name but a few. In fact, he shares so many great tales we part two of this interview as a special bonus episode this Thursday. Hello, Brendan. Uh, you're very welcome to the podcast. Great to see you. Thank you, Fergal. Delighted and honoured to be here. We know each other a long time. We're both from Ennis, County Clare. You used to live down the road, down around the corner from my house. But you've been out of Ireland for how long? Over 20 years? Over yeah, over 20 years. Longer. since. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, the end of June 1998 I left, yeah. So you are now in beautiful Spain, in La Finca Resort. You're the general manager of La Finca Resort. Where in Spain are you? Yeah, it, well, I'm actually, I live, live, you know, living day to day is a place called Cartagena, uh, which is southeast coast in the region of Murcia, um, and then summertime in La Manga. Um, and then work-wise, it's La Finca Resort is in the south of Alicante. So it's about 30 minutes drive from Alicante Airport if if any of your you know followers have been in that area so um yeah it's 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 um 120 bedroom five you know five star hotel uh, championship golf course we're currently planning a, another 18 hole championship golf course around the resort uh residential you want you won a couple of awards um, at the end of last year, didn't you? We did, yeah. In in November last year, we we, we picked up. It's our it's our second consecutive year. Um, so we won two two different awards. One in the World Travel Awards, uh, Spain's leading sports resort. Because part and parcel, apart from golf, you know, we have tennis, paddle. Um, we've we've a hiking route. Uh, we've state arted of professional gym, uh, and then we've a running track as well. So. Um, you know, so so that's leading Spain's leading sports resort, and then Spain's best golf hotel in the World Golf Awards, uh, which was celebrated in Dubai last year. Yeah, so so that's our, that's two years in a row winning that. So that they're like the Oscars uh, in the in the hospitality industry. So to get that is massive plus. Yeah, it was it was it was quite a good marketing tool as well. Am I right in thinking just um, that this day last year you were actually in the Maldives? I was, yeah. I was. We were, we were. This was our last few days. I think we came back on uh, on, on a Sunday. Um, yeah, it, it, it's honestly a different world. When and, and it was our last few days, so we we done four days of you know knew every the ins and outs of the island, right? Which is not rocket science because it's an <laughs> island, so you've walked around it. But we know all the best areas of you know the scuba diving and what restaurants to eat and etc. So. In the last two days, it was like, oh my, reminiscing of this is unbelievable. But we, we, I just said to Maria, just live it. You know what I mean? She was nearly getting sad on the last day. And I was like, no, just live this. 
because, you know, we, we don't know how the rest of the year will go. And I actually, I said that to her, I said, listen, enjoy it, because we don't know how the rest of the, the year will go. We don't know how your business will go. We don't know how my business will go. Um, and, you know, we're lucky to be here, et cetera, right? Um, and one thing we did do is, right, uh, is that we, 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 there's five things you write in the sand, uh, each of us, of five wishes that you have. And I've done this all around the world. Uh, everywhere I've gone and every sort of beach holiday, you know, anywhere around the world from Bali to Abu Dhabi to, to Florida to uh, Havana or uh, Baradero or whatever in Cuba, wherever we've gone, right, in Italy, etc., uh, or in Spain, anywhere we've gone, we've all written, you know, a decent sort of um, um, couple holiday. We've written the, the five wishes that we would like to, to come true. Uh, and one of them is always uh, health and happiness, um, and we had no idea when we came back, even though we were seeing the signs of it in Mali Airport when we're flying out, really? they were doing uh, temperature control checks and we were told to wear masks, etc. They gave us a mask in, in the airport. So it was starting, it was kicking off. And we're talking about the 20 something of February uh, last year, Ferg. So it just shows that was the kickstart. And like a week later, right, at the beginning of March, you know, the big headlines were coming through. Uh, from China, uh, and the, you know, the, the, the European Union started to go, mm, maybe we do have a problem here. And two weeks later, it was game over, right? It was like we it was closed shop. Um, so yeah, so it's just it's just amazing. But again, here's you know, my two cents on it wherever you are or whatever you're doing, uh, and you know, if we're talking about travel, uh, enjoy it, enjoy every moment of it, reflect when you can. You know, this whole thing of mindfulness, it works. Give yourself 10 minutes on your own and just gaze out to the sea and just, you know, clean some of the, the negative thoughts and aura you have and just fill your, your body, mind and soul with, with, with positive thoughts and, 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 and aspirations for the future because that's what travel gives. There's certain, if you don't travel, you don't see these things, right? Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's, that, that's what I always do. I, I really do try to, to, to make the most of every moment when I, when I get, you know, that week or, 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 or 10 days on my own, you know, with Maria or if we're doing something with the kids and stuff and an adventure, you know, sort of doing sort of more activity holidays, which normally what, what you do with, with family anyway. Exactly. And you know, that's why I started doing this podcast, because I like the idea of looking back and, you know, to, to lift the soul, thinking about past trips. And then this to give you inspiration to think about future trips. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I listened to some of your, you know, the, your past interviews. And um, one of them, I think you said, or maybe it's you, you were saying that you get excited on the planning of, of a holiday. And when I am this very same, I actually, I'm the planner in the family, right? When it comes, because obviously I work in hospitality for the last 25 years in hotels. Um, but but I, plan, I plan everything through in my mind how we're going to get there, what we're going to do when we're there. And then the in-between, then I start, you know, making, I'm, I'm making the calls or sending the emails and, and booking in advance, you know. So I try to book as much as I can because then you're not disappointed, right? You have your schedule uh, and then you leave a bit of sort of the in-between time, right? So if things go wrong or the different scenarios or saying, you know what, let's not do anything for one or two days when we're there and let's let's go with the flow and see what's available in the hotel or the destination, etc. But I try to, I try to definitely um, uh, plan well in advance, even the logistics when you're there, but also some activities when you're there uh, in situ, no, in, in in the destination itself. But yeah, I love the planning side of it. Me too. Um, 
because it just fulfills me then when it all comes. And normally, you know, 90% of it works, right? It's your, it, 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 the 10% is like, oh, fuck, it's gone wrong. And they all look at you and your whole family hates you because you've just did a massive exactly. effort, right? You've just effed the whole thing up. Uh, and I hate that. And I've done that before. I remember going on a holiday very, very quickly. I remember going on a holiday to the Canaries and we we're staying in some uh, some Sheraton hotel and I and look class and someone gave me mad review mad reviews about it and said, listen, it's great, the spa, the hotel. But Christ, we were in the middle of nowhere and we're at the it, it, it parked up in a mountain and there was no services. So you're bored after I was bored after 24. So I basically checked out at the hotel. Um, and I, I, you know, I was, I was on a rampage. I was like, oh Christ, where am I going to go? So I started to ring it up different people, you know, in a rented car going, where am I going to stay? And I went on to booking and I just booked this, another, say, alternative hotel in the Canaries and it was class. It was near shops and services, you know, in the evening and give you options and set up just, you know, dining hotel. But, but I remember Maria looking at me just with a big, big disappointed, you know, look going, why did you book this place? Like, this is just absolutely Horrific. You know. Do, do you know, do you know what the exact same thing happened to me the last time I was in Greece? We were in, staying in Athens and I, I booked this like apartment in the, in the middle of the town, in the middle of everywhere. But um, then when we arrived, but there was no pictures outside because it was an apartment. So when we arrived right. this side road, there was graffiti all on all over the streets. <laughs> there was graffiti. There was graffiti. The, the apartment was like a door beside like a halal butcher shop. All the lads oh. I look at and, and graffiti all over the door. And Daisy, oh. I had Daisy Niemer looking at me going, what is disgust?" And I'm like going, isn't this area really cool with all the graffiti? Yeah, yeah. This is really retro. This is the new, yeah. you know, it's, it's the new, it's the new uh, Latino di- district, you know, and all the lads exchanging SIM cards outside <laughs> exactly. the halal butchers. Yeah. <laughs> Say no more. I've seen it a million times in the Middle East. And you're like, oh, my God, where am I? Like To be in a position like that, you've travelled all over the world, haven't you? Through, um, through the hotel business. I have. I've been lucky. Uh, I started off my career at the end of 2000 uh, in a hotel called Hyatt Regency La Manga, which is not a million miles from where I live, uh, because that's where I originally ended up, because my... My, my wife was from uh, that area. So we, um, yeah, I started off as a sales manager for the UK and Ireland uh, in, in that. And that really just gave me a platform to travel. Uh, initially, it was back UK and Ireland. Um, you know, I was only a month into the job and they sent me off to Istanbul for a month uh, on training. Um, so, so, you know, to be, you know, and I was transcended into the Hyatt world where you're mixing with your know, all of Hyatt colleagues for a whole month doing back to back sales courses. Um, so, so that was, you know, that was the beginning of a love affair with travel. So after the, when I came back after the Hyatt training in Istanbul, and that was March, I think 2001, I honestly just thought this was the best job ever. I didn't want to go back to La Manga because I knew it was like hard work and admin and, you know, trying to get up, to, up, up because I'd never worked in hotels before. I, I came in sort of in the back door where, you know, uh, I, I, I did a degree in entrepreneurial marketing and then Irish Export Association. So the Irish Export Association role got me uh, my first job in Spain, which was working for horticultural companies, which is massive here in this region of export, right, of lettuce and God knows what. So that really wasn't me. But, but, you know, it was, it was logistics, et cetera. So when I got the role with Hyatt, and I was very lucky to get it because there was quite a few people going for the role, I think what caught, what caught the general manager's eye was I was Irish, 
what is an Irish guy doing in, in Southeast Spain? Uh, he speaks some sort of broken pigeon Spanish um, and has a marketing degree and um, probably, you know, has the balls to turn up for a job in the hotel industry as a sales manager for the most important, you know, market for, for that hotel uh, and, you know, and, and get through an interview. So anyway, I got the role. So when I came back, I was like um, reborn in the sense of a travel. I loved it. I, I've never been to Istanbul. I spent a whole month there. Uh, I We did everything and anything in Istanbul. Loved it in the markets from the Blue Mosque to, you know, and the Bosphorus. It was amazing. And then seeing some competitor hotels like the Kempinski and being in, you know, a 10 grand a night suite, presidential suite with, you know, uh, a, a Turkish bath and a sauna and then whirlpool and, you know, in a room. And I was like, I was blown away. So that was like my introduction to travel. It was like, wow, I love this. And it wasn't the whole that a lot of people got caught up in this whole thing of, and, and believe me, I've met hundreds of hotel salespeople in my role over the last 20 years. Uh, and some people get love it. They love the luxury side. They love talking about luxury. And, but no one knows this, but, but it, 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 in the top hotels, when you, when you, when you, when you, you know, uh, uh, shave it all down and you say how much, what percentage of your business is luxury travel? The max you're going to get is 5%. The max, I'm talking about the luxury, I'm talking about the virtuoso agencies that are selling at a thousand, you know, dollars a night, bedrooms and, um, you know, and other agencies like Traveler Made and all these. So it's a very small percentage, but everyone chases after it because they love it. You know, they, they love that. That, that opulence of, of selling luxury travel. I didn't, to be honest with, with you in my career, and because I started off, as, as I mentioned before, in Hyatt La Manga, which was the pinnacle resort throughout Europe. It was the best sports resort in Europe. No one touched it, right? It was huge. The dimensions of the resort are. All, all the premiership teams, international premiership teams. Premiership teams, and, 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 you know, and, and, and talking about top end is actually better known for tennis than it is on, on, on golf and football. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 were, they were the lawn tennis. Uh, association uh, winter training center so you would all like the davis cup the gb davis cups but then you had the top you know some top tennis uh, top 180 players came and trained in la manga as well uh 28 tennis courts it's just like a massive tennis center um but anyway so so you know, you become a a, a, a a jack of all trades. And I know the phrase master of none, no, but you have to become a jack of all trades in a place like the Manga. So that was the best training ground for me. And then it brought me, as I mentioned probably before, that it brought me to to um, to to London. Um, and, you know, I learned about the, you know, worked in the Andas, um, um, which was the first Andas worldwide for, for Hyatt. And then that brought me into corporate travel. Now, corporate travel is a totally different... Um, uh, animal to 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 manage totally different from from a b2b and a b2c and from a client base and travel base so for when i used to go just on tell us that hotel that's in the center of london isn't it correct so yeah it's in the city so it's in liverpool street so it's the old victorian building um uh, right beside the ubs um bank uh building and one is connected to the other amazing hotel i mean it really is and and it was for me it was a make or break hotel because i was taken out of being you know a good director of sales in in probably europe's biggest uh resort and putting into a corporate role uh and that was in 2000 i've jumped forward now um uh, quite a lot but i mean uh october 2008 now um and that was a make or break for me because 
it was a 15-hour-a-day, um, our average rate was flaunting. Hyatt had paid uh, X amount of million for, 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 that, for that building. Hyatt actually bought it. Uh, it was the old Great Eastern Hotel. Remember the railway hotels? We had a similar concept in Ireland. Well, in the UK is also as well. So it was the Great Eastern Hotel, and then Hyatt bought it uh, and then transformed it uh, into a uh, luxury, uh, iconic, uh, fashion-led hotel where you're inviting your um, your out the outside environment into the hotel. So everything going on on an outside basis, which is Shoreditch, you know, the sort of airy, uh, hippie, uh, contemporary London in that area and East London into the property and it was kind of reflected into the property. Very cool, great F&B outlets, uh, which is like not very typical in, in a London I, city. I thought hotel. I saw somewhere it won like party hotel of the year. Absolutely. Or I mean, the corporates just wind and dine there. So again, typical, you know, again, Murphy's Law or, or, or Dwyer look. Um, then I, I, I arrived in that hotel when there was a financial crisis. You know, there was a volcano going on and it was, forget about the ash clouds. It was like, this thing is erupting everywhere. And, you know, our average rate and our corporate negotiated rate, and again, I don't want to get technical here, but that was the key to to that property. And we were about 50, 60 pounds over compared to originally what we signed for. So the likes of Deutsche Bank and UBS, who were our biggest clients at that time, uh, turned around and said, you must be kidding. You know, we're now looking at other five-star hotels outside the city as alternative and JP Morgan, Chase, et cetera, you know. So and we were actually booted off the program of JP Morgan worldwide because of that hotel and the poor negotiation. We were kicked off JP Morgan. I mean, JP Morgan was huge for Hyatt worldwide. Anyway, part and parcel. And I go on to a story because it's an interesting and one of your questions, Fergal, about how important it is to be Irish in the expat world. Well, uh-huh. I renegotiated with J.P. Morgan Worldwide in one Chase Manhattan building uh, after a heavy weekend of drinking with my brother in New York, who's lived the last 25 years. And I don't think I was the full shilling yet. And I was like the, you know, pretty senior director of sales and marketing within highest Europe, Africa, Middle East. Right. So so I said, Brendan, listen, J.P. Morgan is a big account for you. Why don't you go over and meet Aaron? Aaron, you know, E-R-I-N. So it kind of gives you a hint of of um of her background so so here i am in one chase manhattan building going through the security signing in getting my name tag and going up to the boards up to the top floor where the boardroom is so i walked into this boardroom uh and there was a delegation of course i'm on my own with hyatt and i had to renegotiate and supposedly grovel and just say brendan you go over to the corner there and i come out with a phrase and i think and again I'm, i'm not being by, by coining this, by saying, nobody puts baby in the corner. I said that to this <laughs> lady who was vice president of travel worldwide. Um, no one puts baby in the corner. Now, that's probably, that could be a Titanic moment. Or that could be, you know, or you're, you're jumping on the iceberg, right? And surviving. And that's what I did. And she started to smile. She goes, you're Irish? I said, yeah. And I said, where? I said, from Ennis. She said, yeah, my parents or my grandfather was from Mayo. Wow. And that's it. There you go. You're already starting off. And I know that comes across. Now, I never abused that because in London, that never worked. In London was a totally different um, business culture. You know, being Irish, being Irish, yeah, fine. But, you you know, the person you talk to is from Pakistan or Indian or or China or, or, or from Switzerland or Sweden. It doesn't matter. 
you know, at the end of the day, that never comes out. Uh, but over in the US, it, it, it's quite, it's not that you'd use it, but if it's brought into conversation, it, it can be helpful. But yeah, so we renegotiated JP Morgan uh, and Hyatt was, you know, taken out of the, um, you know, that uh, dark space and being brought back into the light with JP Morgan worldwide. So that was interesting. Yeah, so, so, so Fergal, just, yeah. Just a, bit, just a bit of interest. You're talking about there, you were in London, there was the ash clouds, the financial crisis. Am I right in saying then you were, you also, when did you work in Cairo? <laughs> yeah, it's again, more Dwyer look. I think it's actually bad look. Bad look, but every every crisis is an opportunity. So I was asked to go to Cairo um, in the at the end of 2010. Now, this is when Mubarak, you know, was still, you know, the dictatorship was still in control in, in, in Egypt. Um, and this, you know, um, spring revolution hadn't kicked off again or hadn't kicked off at all. Um, so, so I went over in October with Maria, my wife, and we, um, yeah, so it was, it was uh, a classical sort of corporate coup in the sense of, yeah, it's a great role. You, you'll be, um, you know, head of global sales for, for Africa based out of Cairo, the old Levant area. So, you know, you, you, you also then manage some of the sales um, of hotels that we have in the region, which is obviously we had two in, in Egypt. We had uh, in, in Jordan, we had Amman. We also had a new project as well in the Dead Sea. We had one uh, Grand Hyatt supposedly opening up uh, in, um, in Beirut in Lebanon, all lovely places to go. And also then in South Africa, we had two properties and one was badly struggling, a, a resort, an Ernie L's championship golf course with a five-star hotel uh, in a place called Obai in Georgia, in the south west coast of South Africa. So anyway, so yeah, I was coaxed into it. So basically I arrived and picked up with the limousine and straight up whisked off into the Grand Hyatt. So saw the traffic was horrendous. There was a lot of, uh, there was, um, uh, Eid was just on. And you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of people on the street celebrating. And I said, Christ, they're, they're a joyful bunch. Um, you know, this is a lively place. And I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, uh, or uh, we're celebrating Eid. Uh, Mr. Brando. They didn't call me Brenda. They called me Mr. Brando. And then I shipped off in January. Uh, I went to my own initially because I didn't want to bring the family over. I said, right, I'm getting settled, etc." So our offices... This is this is a true story. Our officers are in the World Trade Center, and we're on the 18th floor in the World Trade Center, right? In Cairo. Uh, in Cairo, and beside us was the Conrad Hotel, if anyone knows, in the Corniche and Neil. So there I was. So I was staying at the Grand Hyatt, which is further down on the Corniche and Neil. Now, things were relatively quiet. Now, the day I arrived uh, was the day that the coup happened, that Mubarak was forced out of the presidential palace. Now, I didn't know I would put two, this is in January. I honestly wasn't informed until I went into the hotel and watched it on CNN. And then I got the OF in my mind, sort of going, really? And I'm on the 28th floor on a suite looking out onto Cairo, and it was dismally quiet. And I'm thinking, right, in, in October was Eid, which the place was on fire, right? Unbelievable celebration going on the street. And now eerily quiet. So the following day, I had to pay a taxi driver three times the amount of a normal rate to bring me from the Grand Hyatt to the World Trade Center. And the guy brought me around half of Cairo and just and waited outside. Uh, and uh, and I was like, I, I was dumbfounded. I was like, what's going on here? So I had two or three Hyatt 
you know, sales directors of different hotels and they were all based in Cairo for sales purposes and then traveled back and forth to the properties. But they told me that the revolution had started. Now I started to try and comprehend what's a revolution, right? Apart from what we had studied at school. This was a fact that at three o'clock in the afternoon, I saw about five or six different, you know, military tanks going down the Cornish and Neil in, in direction of Tahrir Square. Uh, and then thinking, all right, what am I supposed to do now? Now, there's no training for this. You know, there's tanks, there's soldiers going down. There's gunshots going on. This did not make the news. It made the news in the evening, but not during the day. In the evening, entire square, you'd have CNN correspondents, BBC correspondents, etc. But this was happening in, in real life. Gunshots going off, tanks going down the main. And then, not to go into too much detail, I got a conversation. That was going, I was going back and forth. I was being ripped off by taxis every day. And I actually was going into the Marriott, which was in Central. I couldn't go into the Hyatt because of I was a Hyatt executive. I used to go into the Marriott and have a beer in the evening uh, just to get out of the Hyatt because, you know, things were fairly intense uh, in the Hyatt at the time and I didn't want to be seen. So I had a few beers. So I used to watch CNN and the Marriott in the evenings until I got a phone call saying you need to get out of Cairo uh, for security purposes, Brendan. It's it's going to really, really get out of control, which it did. Uh, and I took a flight to Sharm el-Sheikh, which is on the Red Sea. Uh, so we had a high reach, we had a 468 bedroom high reach hotel there. So I finally then, I, I was like, a, you remember that that movie uh, Fargo uh, with Ben Affleck and he got out of Iran? Well, I had one of those moments to get out of three weeks later. And this is a, and it was a scary moment. I was actually told by the vice president of sales uh, in Zurich at the time, uh, who was, his mother was Lebanese. So he spoke Arab, Ar Arabic. He told me, Brendan, fill your passport with bundles of cash. Uh, because you're going to have to bribe your way out of there. And that's what I, that's, that was a fact. I actually had my passport and every security guard I went into in Sharm el-Sheikh airport, I had to bribe my way to get past him. So I finally got on the EasyJet flight to London. So finally got there. It was, it was actually one of those moments where you are an absolute adrenaline. Everything is shut down. There's soldiers everywhere. Everyone's carrying guns around like as if they're toys in their hands. Um, and, uh, I finally got out and, 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 and just, just remember visualizing Sharm el-Sheikh airport going, thank God I'm out of this place. Um, because it was scary and I had to bribe in your way, even on the, 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 the last door of access to get through, you know, on the bridge to, to the, the aircraft, you're asked for your airport or sorry, your, your passport in every moment. And then I was down to my last 20, 30 Egyptian pounds. Uh, which is nothing really. It's only two or three quid, but 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 that got me that got me on board. So I got into I got into London, uh, and, and made my way to the Hyatt Regency Hotel, which is one of my favorite hotels in the world. Um, you know um, why it's strongly associated with Churchill. There's a Churchill bar there. Um, it used to be one of uh, Churchill's um, uh, uh, favorite uh, hotels, and I love that hotel because uh, the general manager. Um, he was the old gent of 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 um, of, of Hyatt, uh, very nice man. So you 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 know, and because um, you know, you're always treated well in a hotel. Well, then you love going back there. So I made my way back to Spain, and in Spain I had a welcoming party, um, all family and friends. Because in Spain, like like probably all over the rest of Europe, 
um, it was dramatized of what was going on in that country at that time, which was, it was serious. But when you're there, you're not thinking of the seriousness of the situation. You just get on with it, right? You can't sit still. And the adrenaline keeps you going. Uh, and you think on your feet fairly quickly. So anyway, yeah, so that, that, that was in Cairo. Cairo then settled down. We all got back into the norm. The family came out at the end of uh, March. That was the challenge when we arrived to our villa and we had 16 cleaning people outside waiting for us. Um, so my... Can I just, when I just give you my, the other side of the kind of, of Egypt, I went to that hotel, the Hyatt Regency in Sharm el-Sheikh. Okay, Emer, good, 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 good. And yeah. it was just, it was just, so Emer was pregnant with Harry. So it was just before, probably 2007. And uh, my, so my experience of your world was we checked into the hotel and then after about a day, manager came to us and said, uh, you've been upgraded um, by your friend, uh, Brendan. So he got upgraded to, to, to this gorgeous Said, who's room. Who's this? Who's this Irish guy? Who's Wait Brendan? Here. <laughs> so we got upgraded to this gorgeous room. We were going lap of luxury, massive room. And then, then about three days later, manager comes again. Really sorry now about having to upgrade you to that room. We've now got your proper place. So they bring us out. And if you remember the resort, yes, they had these villas. They yep. were like houses. Oh, cool. So I didn't know so, you got one of those. I knew. I, so, I, so we're brought to the villa and you had your own, the villa had its own little um, kind of clubhouse where yeah. everybody in the villas would meet for drinks at five every evening. Correct. And the recent they, club, yeah. You had your own staff. And um, butler, yeah, you your own butler and things as well. Yeah. In, in and I remember villa. chatting to the butler, and he goes, "Oh, the villa next door, and um, that is where Tony Blair always stays." Correct, with Sherry <laughs> so, Blair, where they had peace conferences going on exactly. in Sharm Sheikh at the time. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So um, I got a little, ta- I got a taster of your world. Of, of yeah, of, uh, no, to be honest with you, and 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 you know, uh, Sharm Sheikh's wonderful place, right? Um, and and the uh, snorkeling and diving is just second to none, and yeah. you know, you could rent actually. We used to rent um and i used to go there fergal like to keep my sanity and i'm not saying everything was great during the revolution you just get used to the norm but to keep our sanity and we lived in a in, in a golf resort outside uh called katamaya heights which was the and mumbarak's son lived behind us this is the bizarre thing but anyway so to keep our sanity we used to go to sharma sheikh three um every three weeks so we used to just go to cairo airport which is 20 minutes away get into sharm then picked up by one of the general manager's drivers or whatever, and then brought off. And as exactly what you said, I didn't get the villa, but we used to get a really nice room. And then we used to go to the, you know, the private beach area where you get sort of you, the bar and service there in the beach area. And then you had your own jetty and you had your own snorkeling area, which was absolutely awesome. We used to do that three weeks a week. So, so our kids were, were, were absolutely spoiled in, in the sense of, but, but for me, it wasn't, again, and, and I said this before, it's not the luxury side of things used to drive me. For me, it was the experience. Uh, and then in Cairo, it was important to get out of the city because of the security and also for our sanity because there was mass, for me, it was just work. It took me two hours a day to, and I used to have my own driver, two hours a day to go into the city and two hours a day to come home. And when there was problems, which there was, Every second day, entire square between shots and um, um, and um, tanks and God knows what. Uh, you know, I need I, I, my head was done in. I used to work in like from a thir- from a Sunday to a Thursday, and it was fairly intense. And I used to do a good long day there, but four or five hours in a car every day. And 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 how dangerous! You know, I mean, you talk with Italians driving. I mean, you've never seen Egyptians driving. You know, I mean. 
So just as a matter of interest, so you t- you're talking about this lifestyle where you're talking about you're in Cairo, you were in London, you were in America, I think, weren't you? You yeah, were in Dubai, yeah. you've been in Spain, around different places, all over the world. Yeah, so, South Africa as well. I used, to do, I used to do stints down in South Africa. Yeah. So is it a sort of, um, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? It's a certain, it like, is. is it and, a certain and, type of person that does that? What do you think? Or? You know, and I, I was thinking about it, you know, what, what would I tell you? The easy thing to say, yes, yeah, lifestyle, and it's great. And it's, you know, it, for me, uh, the word to describe travel is tolerance. Um, uh, and or will say uh, for me, it's 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 also like a graph. There's peaks and troughs. So your tolerance level um, comes into play here. In other words, travel travel twenty years ago is different to travel today. What changed it all was nine eleven. Uh, what changed the the Arab Revolution? The 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 bombs going off uh, by extreme groups. Um, you know, the security checks around the world, where, what your passport is, where you're from. Uh, for me, it was like day-to-day travel uh, I could do, no problem. Um, on business travel, uh, when I got to a certain level, when I got to a VP level, it was great and I used to enjoy it. And people would say, yeah, but you're up at like 4.30 in the morning, you're getting a taxi at five from, you know, I used to live out in Richmond and going off to Heathrow. Yeah, but then I used to go straight into the lounge. And I knew exactly to go into, you know, uh, and, and and again, course, I yeah. no mass in points and cards and gold cards. I used to think of the benefits because for me, you used to go into the lounge. You're then called at last minute for your flight. You then walk straight on to, <laughs> so you don't have to wait. You walk straight on to the flight. You get have off the breakfast. flight you, and then you get your breakfast again. You're probably not that hungry because you've had a decent breakfast in the lounge. And then you get off and then you there's a car waiting for you or you get a taxi into whatever meeting you have to go to. Everything is facilitated. Business is business, right? So, But the travel I enjoyed and then there used to be the entertainment side of things where you go off to Abu Dhabi and play golf or Dubai uh, with top end clients or you go to Vegas for some, you know, Hyatt meeting or some trade show or into Chicago, which was into head office, which, you know, you obviously have your wits about your head office. Um, or into New York for a global meeting or off to Singapore or whatever, right? So that side of things, I loved it. For me, it was adrenaline. I used to go like there was not one week I was not traveling. But there's a certain time frame for that. Um, and then, you know, when I've been back in Spain again, for me, it's, it's, it's a little bit mundane, to be honest with you, because it's getting on an easy jet flight with just no thrills whatsoever, frills. If, if, if travel for me, it's it, it, it just... You know, it's a, it's a certain period in your life. Um, and that's just business. And I'm talking about business. Now, the, the personal side of things, I love it. But I, I, I actually, we're, we're all at a certain age where we choose where we want to go. What experiences you want to get. And travel for me is about experience. Um, and it's about, you know, uh, how you get there and how you want to travel. But also when you're there, what you want to achieve from your from your trip and what experiences you want to have to bring home with you. And can you switch off? You know, when when you're traveling personally with your family, are you looking around, checking under the pillows in a in the hotel in the lobby area? Are you? I able am to- actually. I am actually choosy, uh, and I make up my mind of what I think of the whole hotel experience within five minutes, uh, and the check-in experience. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I do, and 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 then I'm either saying, yeah, I'm happy with this, yeah, it's good. In my own mind, I don't really talk about it because Maria knows I'm quite picky. 
uh, after being, you know, because I've worked with one of the best hotel groups in the world and I traveled everywhere with them and saw the evolution of new brands and, you know, um, and, and, and the three core brands, which I had have, uh, you know, I stayed in each one of them and had very cool experiences. So, you know, you, you, again, I walk into a room and the first thing I look at is, 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 um, and this sounds bizarre, but it's the bathroom. The bathroom for any hotel is the key because the bathroom is tells you about, you know, has, you know, has any sort of thought process gone into this, you know, the walk-in shower or the bath and baths are out of date now. No one wants to have a bath anymore. And even jacuzzi, think about it, you know, what's been done in that jacuzzi. So, <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and, and the room itself and the view. And I, I mean, I, I know exactly what I'm walking into. And from a younger, um, when when we had when we when when we when the kids were younger, yeah, sure, I didn't even have time. Uh, I just used to just book uh, a flight, and we traveled. We traveled quite a lot with with our kids uh, when they were younger because we didn't want it to stop us traveling. A lot of people say, "No, I prefer not to. I leave my kids with you know my parents." Or we actually brought our kids into a lot of places. I mean, I, I have I have an image of my daughter who was a year and a half at the time on a camel. With, with a young young Egyptian black kid uh, who who lived off we'll say of tips in around the the, the, the pyramids uh, and and she's alone a one and a half year old baby with this young kid who's only about eight or nine and he's holding on to her and they're on a camel and I'm thinking Christ what was I even thinking you know <laughs> yeah. and then, and then I have then I have a, another image of me walking through you know those narrow uh, mountains in Petra in 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 Jordan with 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 my son and daughter because they said they're too tired to walk but it's a, it's a long trek from the initial you know from we'll say we stayed at the Movan Peak Hotel uh, in Petra and then you walk all the way to you know to 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 the that that um, the palace you know in, in, mm-hmm. in, in, engraved in in the mountain etc you know what we all saw on the on the um, that movie right the um, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, yeah. The so, so yeah, but there's all there's Roman ruins there as well. It's amazing there. Absolutely amazing. One one of the the seven um, wonders of the world. I so I I've blown away. I recommend there. it. Yeah, definitely Petra and and Jordan is an amazing country. Amman is easy to fly into. Good hotels, you know. Again, I talk about Hyatt, but you know, there's the Hyatt there. There's the Four Seasons. There's the Intercon. Always stay. Try and stay in the five star properties because you you know. Not that expensive, surprisingly enough. Uh, but you know what you're going to get. There's a backbone to them, right, with a brand. So go into a man, and then you can go on tours. And all the tours are with armed guards. But we saw, like, uh, the Karnak, which was the, the, the Templar Knights, the, the last castle before it fell. Uh, and that was amazing. Uh, and then you have the Dead Sea, and, and the food is, 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 is good. Um, but again, I'm just trying to give you some some of the stories of of when I saw with my son and daughter traveling with them, you know, of of, of great experiences. But going into the Middle East, I mean, you have to have your wits about it. I mean, I just tell you a quick story of you know about it wasn't all glamour on the travel side. I had to we we had a, a hotel in in Taba Heights, uh, which was in the Sinai uh, Mountains, um, and right on the border with Israel, and it was a high reach to Taba Heights, blah blah blah. And I always kind of, I don't mind saying now, I always avoided going there. I didn't want to go there. And I said, Brendan, you got to come, you got to come. And I went, uh, Christ, okay, I'm going to go. So I got a really early flight from Cairo into, into, into Sharm el-Sheikh. I then had organized a taxi. This is like six in the morning because of the Bedouins. And they come down from the mountains and they hold up cars. Wow. 
unfortunately enough for me, it's about a two hour, two and a half hours drive. Halfway into the drive, our car got stopped. And it wasn't a bed one, thank you, but it was a secret police. Now, a lot of these are, anyway, just a bit dodgy and a bit corrupt. But the scary thing about it, again, I've, you know, I, 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 uh, I listened to the VP who was, you know, Middle Eastern experience. And he said to me, always carry money, a lot of cash. The car was stopped. The taxi driver looked around at me sort of in a daunting fashion and said, I think you better get out. And next minute I saw a revolver tap against the, my window. So the guy pulled his gun out and started tapping against my window for me to get out of the, uh, the taxi. So he got out of the taxi. The guy had his hood, a hoodie. He was wearing a hoodie. He had it up. And I'm like, uh, and he was wearing a big jacket because it was cold, obviously, in the desert. Um, and I got out and I was dressed in a suit. So here am I getting out my Hugo Boss suit in the Sinai Mountains. I mean, you couldn't write about it. Um, and I, he said, uh, Mr. Passport. And I, I gave my passport with money inside it. He took the money out as cool as a breeze, looked at my passport and went, Yalla Habibi, which means go on, my friend. Uh, and then I got back in the car. Now, that was a nervous moment. That's when I, when I, you know, my red cheeks went white. Um, that was that was a nervous moment because I then realized going, yeah, this place is out of control. There's no security. Even the security forces are, are taking money off people. The Bedouins are taking money. So I ended up going to Taba Heights um, and spent one like night. There? I am. Um, Jerry Fish picked his happy place was actually Taba um, back in the 80s. He was he slept out under the star stars with part of Israel at that stage. Yeah, it, it, it's listen, um, uh, it, it originally awesome development, amazing development worked initially. There was droves of of charter business going in and out of there until that revolution uh and then died a death obviously after that it brought me to israel as well i went to israel once uh flew in i you know i did nazareth jerusalem um uh, on the religious age. side amazing yeah amazing to do it um uh being a good roman catholic as i am um and um yeah that was quite amazing to 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 see nazareth um, and also then go into Jerusalem and then see, you know, uh, Christ's grave and, you know, the cross. And, um, and actually the, the, one of the main Palestinian, Palestina, as I repeated, Palestinian tour operators out of Israel, uh, brought us into his hotel called the Hotel Europe, which is beside the British embassy. And we had the most fantastic meal, but on the way back, because I was, we had visited these, the Egyptian embassy. And we spent two hours, they smoke like cigarettes, like, like, you know, like they're going out of fashion and drinking tea, right? Because of the British being an ex-British uh, colonial um, uh, part of the empire in the 50s, right? I think it broke away with Nasser. Um, and uh, they drink tea, you know, it's shopache, right? They say in Arabic. And um, so we went in for two hours and met on, on during our, our course. And we met the Egyptian ambassador uh, because one of, one of our guys, director of sales knew somebody in the security forces, high end is in this Egyptian secret police and organized a meeting. We were then followed by the Israeli uh, secret service for the remainder of the journey. Right. Which I, we, we kind of half suspected there was a car behind us the whole time. Because then we were like, what was an Irish guy doing with two Egyptian directors of sales in Israel 
visiting that country. Now, Hyatt wanted me to open up some outbound business there because Hyatt is owned by a Polish Jewish family uh, called the Pritzkers. And, you know, politically correct, it was for me to go and see if we can open up. So because, you know, there used to be high reaches there. Uh, but a, a, a bomb went off there, uh, and then Hyatt was asked to leave, um, uh, I think it was in the 90s. Um, so Hyatt haven't been back since, so I was to establish some sort of presence there. But anyway, we were on the way back, for just going, it's a very, uh, to cut the short, uh, story short, I was four hours in interrogation. Um, not a nice experience. And they actually held the plane until I was released. Now they, they copied everything on my laptop and they told me we were following you for the last four days. What were, why were you there? And what were you, who were you visiting there? And why were you there? And why are you with two Egyptian guys? So that was quite uh, an interesting time as well. Four hours mm. in, in a room. And they ask you the same questions over and over again. So yeah, that side of travel, uh, I didn't enjoy um, because it, it, I just gave you some insights into, yeah. into a two year period there when, when I was in Cairo. And again, I go back to my graph on, 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 on personal, you know, development and growth as we, and, and you do through travel, you know, it does open your eyes and you do learn something. Um, and the less you say, and the more you take in the better, um, you know, and, and, uh, and then you see the contrast of rich and poor. I mean, what I saw in Cairo, I don't think many foreigners saw what I saw but again, that's travel, right? It gives you uh, a sense of, you know, heightened sense of awareness and appreciation. I bet you'll need a little rest after that episode. So we have part two coming this Thursday. And Brendan will be talking about the future of the travel industry and life in Spain as an expat, how it's been there the last year. So I really look forward to sharing that with you this Thursday. I would ask if you could please subscribe to Apple Podcast. So a new episode will appear in your library every week. I would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review as it helps others to discover this podcast. To find out who's on every Tuesday, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Tales with Fergal. Stay safe and keep dreaming of future travels. Travel Tales with Fergal.